Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wilder Mind Podcast. And thank you so much for being here with the pod. Today, we'll continue our limited series with the support of Mountain Hardware as we have conversations with folks that inspire us and talk about things that feel like a mountain we cannot climb alone because so many of us find beauty outside of our comfort zones. And sometimes the hardest thing is just saying it out loud. I'm your host, Cody Cameron. Today, we'll chat with Caleb Robinson. He's a mountain hardware athlete, photographer, route setter, and really great human being. Caleb and I go back a couple of years, and in that time, we've gotten a chance to know each other beyond just our hobbies and shared interests. Across a span of experiences based on our human differences, we've been able to unravel some of the things you'll hear us talk about today, specifically around race and racism. Now, these conversations in this country are often labeled as woke, but they are not. This is Kaleb's life. This conversation will touch on the experiences of so many around us that quite a few folks can choose not to see because it might impact their ability to live in blissful ignorance. We're not having this conversation to trauma share or for you to send your apologies. We're talking about this for all of us to shift and reorganize our consciousness around people, around racism, and our relationships with both. So, as always, thanks for being here, and let's do the damn thing. All right, so first of all, Kaleb, uh, if you could tell us your name and two sentences who you are. Uh, yeah, my name is Kaleb Robinson. Um, I am a professional climbing athlete. I am a photographer. I am a route setter um, and a good person. <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> I love that. There's a lie in there. I'll let everybody else decide what the lie was. <laughs> well, Kaleb, we, uh, we met a couple years ago now, huh? So barely. Barely. We met like a year and a half ago. Yeah, at the gym. Yeah. I think it was in like June of of last year. Yeah. And now it's up almost October, which is wild. <laughs> Certainly. So, dude, we're going to talk about um, some hard stuff here. And I think we know each other well enough that we don't need to kind of, you know, wander our way towards it. I think we could just jump right into it. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. All right, man. I'm just going to come out of it and we're going to ask some questions here. So... Let's say you're standing behind a curtain and you're about to walk on stage as part of a panel conversation and someone introduces you as Caleb Robinson, a black climber from Salt Lake City. Now, do you think, yeah, right on, that, that sounds good. Or do you think, hold on, hold on, why do you have to say I'm black? They're going to see that. Can't you just say a professional climber from Salt Lake City? Yeah, I, I would certainly have some questions about it. I don't know what would run through my head first, per se, but yeah, the, the, like, probably one of the overarching thoughts would be like, why'd they even say that? Like, why'd they add black in there? Is that really what the defining thing about me as a climber is, is just like my skin color or, or is being a climber enough to identify me as a climber, you know? Hmm. Enough. Say more about that. Well, I think part of it is just like, what is your identity and I think for a lot of people that are Caucasian it's just like that part of their identity is just assumed when you say a title of like oh yeah it's a climber you kind of just assume the white dude <laughs> um, and that's not to say that white dudes are the only people that are climbers or that are even good climbers it's just that's generalized mainstream media taking form and also historic trends of what the climbing community has been 
Um, so like, I guess tying that back to what is enough, it's like, it's enough for the, our other counterparts in the climbing community to be enough with just like, Oh, you're a climber, but it's not enough for people that are marginalized or of the minority races. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if we pull that back, right out of climbing and into the greater outdoors environment, and you look at the fact that in this country right now, I think a lot of the outdoors uh, community is homogenous white, right? And so it goes back to what you said earlier, like if you say, oh, my friend Kevin uh, loves to ski, it's easy to assume then that maybe your friend Kevin is white. So they don't need that identity. They don't need that qualifier. But, but you and I, um, maybe we are in a mix of mostly white friends. And the thing that stands out about you, instead of saying, oh, Kaleb, strong climber, tall guy, you know, yeah. wears glasses, or just my friend Kaleb, it's, you know, you have to have a, a skin color identifier. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that feels strange. How does it feel to you? Um, I mean, it feels a lot of things. It's actually funny. I was a friend messaged me on Instagram the other day, just saying how it's like really cool to see other black guys send out in the woods or something like that. And I was like, yeah, man, it's a lonely world out there. <laughs> and, I mean, that's like not an extreme at all it's like it's a lonely world out there like you're almost always or at least i am almost always one of the only black people if not minority in any given climbing space um so it it feels weird because it's like part of it's like true that being black is a big identifier for me in the climbing world it's like i'm one of the only ones out there so of course it's gonna have that reality to it but it's also just like in the eyes of your fellow human beings. It's like, is that the only way that you can see me? I think it's kind of more so the main question. People who don't know what it's like to have an underrepresented or marginalized identity would challenge the thought of that it's lonely out there, right? They, yeah. they say, but you're with your friends and your friends support you. But what they don't always get is you can be lonely in community. Oh, for sure. Because you don't have people that look like you, that have grew up like you, that have the same yeah. experiences as you. So they don't understand you. For sure. I mean, but also like, have you ever taken a white person and just put them in a room of only black people? Like, just watch them squirm. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and, <laughs> this and, sounds like you have experience as, with this. Yeah. And as soon as I feel like they experience that, they're like, wow, I feel like, I don't know, they have thoughts about it of being the only person and how that made them feel. And you're kind of just like, yeah, dude, how do you think I feel literally all the time, every day of my life? Like, that's kind of just our reality. But most of them don't experience that, almost. I mean, I certainly have friends that have probably never been in a room of just other black people. Yeah. You know, talking about how you feel all the time, right? Uh, you had a social media post a little bit ago um, about some pretty strong feelings, about some incidences uh, in, I believe, Kentucky and Wyoming. Um, and I think it really pulled back the curtain for a lot of folks um, to the realities, yeah. the, you know, the ones you were willing to share, which are not as severe as other ones you've faced. Let's talk about those a little bit. Um, could you kind of describe those experiences for folks that haven't read um, that post? And Yeah, so the post kind of like summarized a couple of different bad experiences I've had in sport climbing specific locations. So Kentucky at the Red River Gorge and um, Rifle in Colorado, I think, oh, and Lander, Wyoming, too. Um, and so, like, the ex incident down in Kentucky, I was essentially, it was rest day, me and my friends went swimming. 
we were trying to like just chill um and there's just this dude that was like staring at me endlessly from like the moment i stepped out of the car and was like kind of i mean followed us around as we went swimming and was like obviously intent on my presence um and yeah it was kind of just like eye-opening to the fact that it's like i'm very very unwelcomed here at, at least to this person um and oh the the rest of the story about that was like i had a couple of friends that i would call allies that were with me at that situation and kind of like they took notice of that situation like i didn't have to bring it up to them they were like we if this dude does anything like we're for sure have your back and are like gonna beat him up if anything if it comes to that um which like for me was a reassuring experience and like confidence in my friend group and like yes i chose (laughs) okay ones (laughs) Um, but also like in the i guess bigger picture of the situation it's just like where am i why am i here and like this is absurd that i'm being followed around by this white guy assumably just because i'm black um and then yeah i talked about an experience in colorado where essentially me and some friends um it was a diverse group of us and we just got like yelled at by these dudes in a truck driving by just like get the fuck out of our state um and it was late at night and like we didn't hear them yell to anyone else in like (laughs) the whole canyon it's not that big of a canyon so it's like (laughs) you're driving a monster truck and yelling out your window you kind of make a lot of noise and like we were the only people that they yelled at Um, which like could it have been incident maybe but kind of seems targeted um and then lander was just kind of like some racist shit written on walls and places and bathrooms and stuff you know it's interesting that i I have a sense sorry i i feel a sense that you um you kind of brush over i think the toll that it takes on you when you when you retell this um and there's many reasons and I, i think that anybody who's been through this stuff will understand that it's not like these are the only three incidences you've ever faced and there's certainly you know if there's a scale of one to ten in severity they're going to be low on that scale. It's harder to share the, the other stuff. Um, but like you said earlier, welcome to the daily, right? Yeah. Like this is what happens um, yeah, for I mean, folks. For like reference, and I posted this on my story the other day, there's like a dude that lives around our neighborhood for sure that drives around with a black foot that's broken like on the hitch of his car in a shackle, just like like hanging off the back of his car. And, like, I see him drive around the neighborhood sometimes, and it's, like, totally freaky and makes me terribly uncomfortable. But, like, what the fuck am I going to do, you know? My, I'm, I'm not going to follow him around. Like, that sounds <laughs> like an equally bad idea. I'm not trying to stalk this dude that seems to clearly be racist, you know? It's just, like, I got to get on with it and live my life the best I can. And, I mean, if anything, like, I don't know. I, I like I, I really don't know what to do with that type of situation. Um, but the luxury I have here is like I actually I am I have the safety of my home. I have the safety of being in a community with friends. If anything does go wrong, like I know the area, I feel comfortable here. When I'm out at climbing crags and stuff, it's like I don't have any of that. You know, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, normally without service, like with not any given sense of like I know who's around me. I know a community. I like I don't have a safe place to go to if something goes wrong. So it's kind of like this, it feels very imminently that the stakes are a lot higher when you're 
out at climbing destinations and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we talk about that um, in the industry and, you know, in, in our communities about gateway communities, how they can sometimes be quite unwelcoming to a diverse community of people. Um, and climbing brings that. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious, you know, for you, if you can kind of describe that uh, perhaps like decision process, let's say you're going to go to a new place. Um, you have a lot more considerations to make beyond like, where do I get food? Where do I camp? Where am I going to climb? Like, what's my tick list? Um, you have to look at your safety yeah. and the safety of your partner and, and your friends and what situation they're being put in. Um, I don't think that everybody gets that because a lot of folks have the privilege to just walk into that town and be welcome and, and go do what they do. Um, so what does that process look like if you're going to a new place? I probably, if I like really had a lot of time to think about it, have a more like normalized plan that I go through unconsciously. But I think maybe that's the point there is like everything is so very unconscious because I've been doing it my whole life. Um, so it's like, I don't really have to think about what my plan is every single time. I'm kind of just like always on edge all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, I think generally that plays out with just like avoiding like avoidance is mm -hmm. like not trying to spend a lot of time out in like big public settings in the middle of nowhere that are predominantly Caucasian. Yeah. Um, just like being overly kind is I think a big <laughs> one of just like, yep. Give yourself no points of interest that could cause something could go bad. It's just like, yep. yeah. Being super nice, always like being happy around the public and like not really ever causing a scene is like that's like the last thing you want to ever happen just like yeah and i don't know i think a lot of well i can actually say this like as a fact climbers are a pretty wild group of people <laughs> and like i think a lot of climbers give a lot less of a fuck about how they're perceived by the general public mm -hmm. because they're okay being labeled dirtbags because that's can just be their choice. Yep. And like, yeah, I'm privileged enough that I could make that choice too. But as a black person, it's like, that's not specifically a road I want to go down. So draw more attention to your difference. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, even as, as a 38 year old cis hetero Asian man, I, I have friends who will suggest, Oh, let's go climb an X place. And I think, wow, like you, you're totally looking over the fact that that's pretty uncomfortable for me to consider going there without having a conversation of, you know, I don't know that that's particularly going to be a welcoming place. Yeah. And I think it can be hard to, uh, to assume that they're going to feel you're being dramatic. Right. Yeah. Um, but like you just said, you have to walk in there with your kind of head down, be overly kind, not draw attention because you already have attention. Yeah. Um, and other people, I uh, might be able to go in there and draw attention to their difference because they've chosen, like you just said, that's like their subversiveness. Yeah. Like I'm here, I belong here, but I'm also have wild hair and I'm kind of a dirt bag and I've, yeah. you know, all this stuff, which is fine, which is great. We, we love these people. We're our friends. <laughs> yeah. But I think that this is, you know, your, uh, your ability to choose this courage right now to say, that's not your experience. Yeah. And you have to go in there very different presentation to ensure your safety. For sure. That's important. Yeah. Along that same thread, we talked uh, about a year and a half ago, well, maybe a year ago now, after we had first met, and you had um, just kind of asked about what I thought about you going into uh, climbing as a pro athlete. Yeah. And one thing I had mentioned was, uh, and it felt bad to say then, it feels bad to say now, 
Um, be mindful of being black first and a climber second, especially in this day and age where people are looking for folks like you and I um, to diversify their portfolio, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how does how does that comment feel now? It's a it's always a tricky thing. It's always a very tricky thing because like sometimes it comes with a lot of opportunity, which is like can also be a good thing. If, like you kind of know that people are using you as a token but it's like i don't know it can be big opportunities that are worth it and lead to other things that are very positive and fulfilling and stuff like that um but i think a big thing is that coming with a sense of equality and not just like like okay yeah you Businesses need to diversify their athletes. They're going to have to find athletes somehow. Some of us are going to be those athletes. And it's like that overall is a positive change. It's like we want to diversify those things. Mm -hmm. And like if their athlete team is all white and they're trying to diversify, that obviously means they're going to have to quote, I'm doing air quotes, tokenize someone, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do air quotes because it can be a genuine pursuit. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's done properly sometimes it's done very poorly um and i think the key thing there is like okay are you going to treat them with the same like passion and enthusiasm and compensation that you're treating everyone else with and is it going to come with all the same benefits and all the same like positive view that athletes get you know is it going are you actually going to be treated like the rest of everyone um and it's not all just about treatment and, you know, there's a lot of other things I can go into it, like socioeconomic, like access and stuff like this. Um, but yeah, it's like finding the opportunities where it's like, okay, yeah, I know that you're maybe just looking for a black person and I'm the one that you found, but like, are you actually going to like treat me as everything that I am? Not just like, oh, we're only going to pay for your black skin and like nothing of the other talents that you bring, you know? Mm-hmm. It's going to feel funny to ask this question because we are right now talking about race. Yeah. What about people who say, um, let's move on. Let's, let's get over this whole race conversation. Let, let's just be climbers. Let's just be skiers. Let's be photographers. Let's be whatever we are, but let's take the race out of it. What would you say to that? No, I don't think so. Because I'm not colorblind. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're laughing because that statement says a lot about everything. But yeah, it's like the the ideal, a not racist society isn't one that doesn't see race, right? That's not, that's Thank not you. like the bottom line of it, you know? And it's like race has, I mean, there's a lot of great things that have come out of different races and different cultures. And it's like where I am today stands on the shoulders of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of incredible people and history. Some of it good, some of it very bad, but like, I can't just get rid of that. I'm never going to just get rid of that. And neither would I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just. Okay. Awkward pause and transition because uh, full admission to everybody listening the recorder died. I don't have a charger with me, so I had to replace the batteries. So we lost a little bit of our momentum, but we're going to jump right back yeah, in. Yeah. Um, do you think that the outdoors are for all, period? Or are the outdoors for all with an asterisk? And if so, what's that asterisk? Are you including community in the outdoors? Or are we strictly talking about nature? Strictly about nature. 
Oh yeah, I think it's for everyone. Mainly because, okay, the concept of indoors is a very new thing. <laughs> like, just think about that for a second. Like, all of us, our ancestry is the outdoors for everyone that's ever come from another human being. Inside stuff is like the making of the last, you know, couple thousand years, which is a, not that much. So like, yeah, the outdoors is for everyone. Nature doesn't really discriminate against who goes outside because that's where we all started. That's what we all came from, you know? But if, as soon as you bring like people into that, then you have this whole weird thing. Yeah. So let's go to that part of it because you're exactly right. Nature does not discriminate. But what about the outdoors community? Um, and that, that's a big question, right? Because the outdoors For community sure. can be so many things from hunting and shooting to mountain sports to climbing to biking, whatever it is. So what's the asterisk there? How does the outdoor community discriminate slash? That's just a reflection of broader society, right? I mean, I think a lot of it, like, it's, it's really hard to answer that question without, like, really understanding the history of our, like, economic structure and essentially the caste system that's been created if we're specifically talking about America. I think it's also fair to include here like how the outdoors has been exclusionary of disabled people and like there's other forms of uh, marginalized communities outside of just race uh, is important for people to understand. Um, but yeah, I think like, I mean, we can get into it. Like America in the post Jim Crow era and the post slavery era is essentially America with a caste system that has created a very, I mean, it's created a structure of like, if you're in this caste, you are marginalized and are way less fortunate than other people in higher caste. And for Americans, we are largely blind to this. And like, we think of other caste systems that we've seen in the world, like, wow, that's so awful. How could we do this? You know, how could they do that to people? Like, that's so unjust. Mm -hmm. But we've really created the same thing in America. And one of the, like, main principles that is actually really going to that, back to that colorblind comment earlier, is that we don't want to see race and we don't want to be explicitly racist anymore. At least most people, the vast majority of people, don't want to admit ever say the words, yeah, I'm a racist. That's not something that is positively viewed in society anymore. Um, but a way of continuing to control people is essentially to make us all, quote unquote, air quotes, colorblind, so we don't see race and we don't do things that are explicitly racist, but we've developed a system of continuing to be able to marginalize those people in a way that is not directly racist. An example of this would be the war on drugs, which pretty much marginalized black and brown people to the extent that made them pretty much unable to function in society, especially as convicts, which this does not say that black people are like more often criminals than white people, but simply that the system that was put in place was intentionally trying to convict black and brown people. So that way you could lose your ability to function in society. And that's just one way that the caste system has been implemented and arguably one of the most effective ways that it's been implemented. Um, but it's the history of all that that leads us to where we are now in our current socioeconomic status that allows generally a more Caucasian population to be able to afford to live 
in proximity to and have the finances to be able to continually access the outdoors in general. And you have your caste system that is marginalized, largely black and brown people that are not able to afford any of these things, um, like in large scale. It's perfect. Because what a lot of folks aren't going to understand is that this history is not that far back. No. I mean, it's still happening. And so let's, let's talk about what's happening now, because I think it's important for folks to understand that while there is all this, mm, this groundswell, if you will, of, of progressivism, of, you know, equality and equity, and, and let's have these conversations about our differences and things like that, there are still conversations out there and there's still legislation and there's still processes that take the color of one's skin and criminalize them. Yeah. And, and you go out to go climbing, you go out to go on a trip uh, to take photos, um, and you carry this with you. And you know that that is a reality out there that not everyone faces. Yeah. And people around you, with no malintent, can be entirely ignorant to that. Yeah. So you put yourself in those situations and you do it because you love climbing, you love the community, you love creativity and art and creating something through these sports you love. Um, how much does that weigh on you? How much does that, that sense of my safety, my comfort and my ability to seek and find and capture joy are definitely different than other friends that might be with me based on the color of their skin being lighter than mine. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think it weighs on me more than I, more than I ever admit to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I feel like that, that there's a lot of probably like, yeah, just like tough mental cycles there and like probably trauma involved in there too, that like, it's not really a thought process I try and have with myself <laughs> on the regular, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, and, and it's also just like, I, I want to live my life to the fucking fullest and I'm not trying to let anything stop me from doing that. So like, yeah, it's like a little bit of, you know, gritted out, not, you know, keep your head high and just keep going. Cause like, what else are you going to do? Um, it's not a little bit, it's a lot of gritted out. Yeah. It's a lot of that. Um, yep. and yes, but like, I mean, it for sure weighs on me and like in some of the more simple like versions is like, yeah, I don't, I'm not planning a trip to the Red River Gorge anytime soon. (laughs) Like, that's just not a thing I really want to do. And like, yeah, I really want to go climbing in the Red River Gorge, but like, it's like there's so many other places I could go that just feel way more comfortable and are like close to society, (laughs) 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 which is a benefit. Uh, um, What if we end this on a a bit of uh, vulnerability, emotional exposure, if you will. And what if you had some friends listening who they go into the red and they look like every most of the people in that community. So these are, are white folks, right? Yeah. They don't look like you and I. What if they're listening and they're like, ah, Jesus, that's not what it's like. You had a bad day, get over it. It's a great place, come on down there, blah, 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 blah. What if you had the opportunity to look at them and say, please, if you can do one thing for me as, as a friend, as a human, as a good person, um, can you help this community get better? What would that sound like? What would you ask? Hmm. I don't know, man. Okay. I think like if, or maybe the way to answer that question is to answer the earlier question is like the amount that it weighs on me is that I don't know how to solve this. Mm. 
and like that's part of that like weighs on me the most probably it's just like i feel like i'm always in an impossible situation and pretty powerless to do anything Mm. you know and like that's like a hard pill to swallow for myself because i'm the one that has to stick out the situation you know and get the butt end of the stick um but yeah it's like i feel powerless and i feel like i'm powerless to tell my friends how to change the world too um and like that's often how what the bottom line feels like and on an emotional level it's kind of just like that's a little overwhelming to think about and yeah kind of just like your heart sinks a little bit Mm -hmm. um yeah but i don't know i don't know what i tell them you know it it feels i think in some ways fucked up because there's 16 years of life between us and sure i think maybe in some ways we've come further in conversations around equity yeah and equality in Um, very limited spaces though exactly right because there's still no answer to this question. Yeah. There's still no way to ask people like, think about this as much as we have to think about this, yeah. as much as you, Kalev, have to think about this, but how do you follow that up, right? We didn't well, know 16 yeah. years ago, we don't know now. Yeah, I mean, I think people want to view racism in America on a much smaller scale than it is. And like, mm. for those of us that understand how large the scale is, it's like, yeah, it seems like an impossible situation. Like we can change certain things, but ultimately we're trying to change a caste system, a full scale caste system that's been implemented that lives not only in the policies and laws and actions that our government takes, but lives in the mind of every American citizen or most American citizens, including black and brown people and caucasians and white people it's it's a caste system that has infiltrated all of our minds and like i mean when you're talking about millions and millions of people it's like how do you change that that's a really comp complicated complex thing to change a further complicated aspect of that is uh you're 22 i'm 38 and in your 22 years of life i can probably guarantee anybody listening that as a black man you have experienced more racism than I have as an Asian man with 16 years of life on you. And that is fucked up. Yeah. And that is something that people aren't talking enough about that in my eyes, a kid, (laughs) a young man (laughs) in my eyes, a young man is experienced more than I'll ever experience. Yeah. In 22 years of life. And, and uh, boy, if there's something we can ask people to do is to wrap their heads around that and, and try to figure out some way, uh, to help change that for the next person who's going to be 22 and having a conversation like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that took a dark turn. (laughs) I mean, well, it's kind of the reality of the situation, isn't it? It is. We're not in a good place. No, we're not. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not to say that like there is not bright things that can happen in the future, but we're not like, there's nothing really to celebrate about the situation of racism <laughs> no. in America. Yeah. We still have to be able to laugh about it. It's the yeah. thing like we're doing yeah. now. Cause yeah. what else can you do? You know, cope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that made us laugh too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Good Lord. All right, man. Um, 
Clabe, uh, last parting words, anything that you really want to share that you want people to know, um, anything at all? No one cares how hard you climb. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Done. This episode of the Wilder Mind podcast was produced by Marley Jarenko and me with music by Leah Woods. We're glad you're here because the hard stuff gets easier if we just talk about it. And as always, my friends, to your wildest self, be true.